You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast. This is Kiki and I'm flying solo today. For long-time listeners of the show, this is nothing new. Pia has done these in the past, but it's me who has to go all alone today. And it's because I have an amazing interview to present to you. Last week, I had a talk with the Belgian photographer Tim Tronku about the upcoming release of his book, Portraits. And it was just amazing. We didn't look at the time. We went and talked for almost an hour. So I just wanted to tell you about it. And next time you will be able to hear my co-hosts Pia and Sheffi again on the show. But since we are all alone here, I wanted to remind you that <laughs> you can find the show notes for this episode at metal-and-highheels.com slash podcast 56, the number five and the number six, that is, because this is the 56th episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast. And I also wanted to ask you that you not only subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. But please also leave us a review if you like it, if you like the show. I have seen recommendations on Twitter, but if you leave us a review, then people who are looking for metal podcasts will be able to find us and see that we are three very cool girls talking about metal and lots of other topics around uh, the metal music and the music business. So if you like us, please review us and of course, follow us on socials so that you don't miss on any of our adventures. So before we dive into my talk with Tim Tronku, let me tell you that I am super happy and grateful that I know him because he's a very talented person and a very, very friendly guy. I really, really like to see him at concerts. I've known him for several years now from the female-fronted metal community, and we have been doing interviews with him for the past five years, apparently. I thought it was longer, <laughs> but for the past five years, we've been doing an interview. We've been checking in with him. We even have an interview with his brother on our YouTube channel as well. So I'm going to link all of these interviews in the show notes. But it had been a long time. It had been almost two years since we had talked to him. So I reached out on occasion of his photography book and the exhibition that's coming along with it. And we had this amazing talk. We touched on very important topics like mental health and other very private topics. But of course, we also talked extensively about portraits and how it came about from beginning to end, all of the people he's worked with on this project. We even talked money and all of the costs related to the project. So it's a really interesting conversation that I had with him. And now I'm just going to let you listen in. Enjoy.
Hey everybody, this is Kiki for Metal and High Heels, and I am very honored to talk to Tim Tronco again. How are you, Tim, today? Well, hello. I'm very good, and you? Good, good. I am uh, very thrilled to be talking to you again. It's been a while since we did our last Metal and High Heels interview with you. We've missed yeah, you a I lot. Yeah, I think the last, one was, uh, the last one was at the FAM event in Eindhoven, I think. And that was two years Correct. ago. Two years ago already. Oh my God. Yeah, indeed. It's been a while. Yeah. Ever since the Metal Female Voices Fest isn't around anymore, everything seems to uh, seems to go. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. But still, yeah, it's, it's still a shame. But hey. Yes, we don't see each other as often anymore. That's true. No. no. But yeah. we will see each other very soon at your portraits mm -hmm. exhibition, which I am very excited about. And that is exactly what we're here to talk about today. So um, I know you've, you've probably told this story uh, 10,000 times already, but tell us in a nutshell, how did, how did you start with, uh, with this project? How did, you, how did it come about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's um, actually, uh, so, because the whole story is important, as you said. So I need to start at the very beginning. Yes. So three years ago, it, it's been a bit more than three years ago, actually. I was just in my hometown of Ghent in Belgium. I was just going through, I was just walking inside a classical exhibition of classical pieces of art. And all of a sudden I saw all these big portraits hanging next to each other. And all of a sudden I had the idea of why would we not combine the uh, this kind of art with what I do and so combine this with my work field mm -hmm. so then Simon my boyfriend and I we started discussing a couple of ideas and how we saw this and we immediately had a clear idea okay if this is going to work we're going to make a book out of it we cannot just take these portraits and just throw them online and just keep them digital that would be a shame of the art so that's so that was our main goal. And then, of course, when we had set our goal, I started reaching out to people who were going to be in the neighborhood in the in the next couple of months. So that was 2016. Wow. And I reached out to um, who was it first? Michael Starr of Steel Panther, um, mm -hmm. Miles Kennedy of Alter Bridge and uh, Tarja, who were three of my friends in the music business and who were going to be around in the area sooner or later. Okay. So I just threw the idea at them. I was like, okay, here's the idea. I have nothing to show you because we, you would be the first ones to be in this project. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have a title by then, so I even had to go with a, like, a working title, like Royalties of Rock. Oh my God, how cliche is that? <laughs> but uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a name at all by then. And um, so the, Miles Kennedy and Michael Starr, they were the first ones to respond. And they told me, like, hey, this sounds pretty cool. Well, let's just bring you over to our show in Brussels, which is close to where I live anyway. Mm -hmm. And let's just uh, give you 15, 20 minutes to shoot these portraits. Wow. And uh, so I went to their show in Brussels. And uh, I presented Michael Starr of Steel Panther, for instance, with these big renaissance colors so i had about five of them a smaller one and then a very big one and of course I, I could have guessed that he was going to go for the big one because he really wanted to exaggerate it mm -hmm. and uh, so we shot the portrait i think in the, the picture in about five to ten minutes wow. just before stage time so it was all cool because he was still wearing his bandana and his stage outfit and then with his big renaissance color he was wearing it all made sense then i just put the nice light on him because i'd done my research of course of how i should light a portrait like this and it all came together same for miles kennedy and as soon as i sent the images over to them 
they were immediately very enthusiastic about it. They welcomed it very much. And they told me, if you're going to proceed in this, if you're going to talk about more artists in doing this, if you're going to try to convince them, this is going to be such a cool project you're working on and just give it some time. Mm -hmm. So then I gave myself three years. And within those three years, I decided to either go to the concerts or the festivals and shoot some of the artists there. Mm -hmm. Or, and that was my, the, the best thing to do, was to organize the big shoots like for Taria, for Alisa, for Sharon, for Simone, etc. Just to have a full day with them in studio. So that's how it all came about. And in, these three, in those three years, I, were, I was able to shoot Taria, Alisa, or, or who else did I have? Max Cavalera, Miles Kennedy, Slayer, Ghost. So it was quite a quite a big process, and along those, every shoot was a little different. Every shoot was a step up towards the the book and the upcoming exhibition. I think that sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of work, and yep. <laughs> also a lot of work to do in such uh, short times before the shows. So I guess mm -hmm. the bigger shoots where you had some more time, were a little more relaxed, and you could experiment some more, probably. Yeah. That's true indeed. Well, of course, if you go, I had the mindset when I would shoot the portrait at a show or a festival, I always went there with the mindset, okay, this is the one image I want to go for and I have to focus on that one image. So that brought along a little bit of a challenge and a little bit of stress because mm -hmm. it was, you had five or 10 minutes and that's it. So you needed to have it in those five or 10 minutes. Yeah. You were going, I was going to take about 20 or 30 pictures and the picture had to be in there mm -hmm. immediately. So fortunately, I, I always prepared very well. So these were actually indeed always a little more stressful. Indeed, but on the other hand, when you have a full day with with Elisa, for instance, of uh, or um, or Agnieta from Jerev, of course they are coming all the way to to your country to Belgium, and to spend a full day with you in their busy schedule. So that's yeah. also a bit challenging and also very stressful because you need to put a lot more time and a lot more effort in preparing every little detail of the photo shoot because you have the location, you have the hair, you have the makeup, you have the outfit, you have everything around, you have catering you need to take care of. And Simon and I, we wanted to do everything, everything ourselves because I, I'm a bit of a control freak. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm going to um, have a good team around me, which is very important. But in the end, I was the captain and I had to make sure that if I made a decision, I was making the right decision. Yeah. And that gave me a lot of stress. But in the end, all stress went away as soon as we started the shoot as soon as i picked up elisa from the airport the day before mm -hmm. all stress went away because i knew you're there and now it just it's all depending on how well i work and you work during the shoot so as soon as as she arrived as soon as everyone arrived i was like okay now we can really start everything's arranged everything's in place yeah. and now we can work in a relaxed way wow that sounds amazing so give me the quick facts. How many artists are involved? Um, there are about 50 artists. I need to check again how many exactly, but there are around 50 artists involved. So we have a book of about 180 pages. Wow. So all the artists have, initially they had one page, but of course there are photo shoots which have a, that, that took one day, like I said. Mm -hmm. So mostly there were about five pictures that came out of that, two, three, four, or five, or even six pictures. So some artists have six pages, some others only one, others two, others three. So there's a bit of a variation in there. I try to keep the variation in the pictures and the images 
as high as possible. Amazing. Is the book purely the photographs or do you also have some of the stories written in there as well? It all, it all evolves about uh, just around the photographs. So it's all photographs based, so no real text. I didn't want that because we also considered the idea of having anecdotes and quotes of the artists there. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want that because that would be too much of a distraction of the images. And I wanted the images to be mysterious enough. So to, so the, actually, so the images could talk without, could talk to us without the text. Yeah. So the only text that is in there is actually the, the foreword the preface, which was written by Alisa. So that was, I gave her one page and she wrote two pages. So we had to expand our pages just a little bit because the foreword was just so beautifully written out of her own experience from working with me, but also her reflection on the project that we just had to keep the foreword as it is. So that is actually the only text in the book, wow. which is the foreword of Alisa. Oh, amazing. And what an honor as well to have her write the foreword, you know? Yeah, indeed, because she has a background in art history as well. And uh, so she, it was really cool to have her point of view in there because when I was sure. she, when she sent me the foreword, I was reading through it. I didn't give her really real guidelines to write. I was just like, just talk about your experience in working with me and this project. That's it. So I didn't really t tell her and this and this and that needs to be in there. I just gave her carte blanche mm -hmm. so she could do exactly what she wanted with it. So it was really funny to read it. There was some enlightening things, things that I had totally forgotten about, about our history, like Alisa and I. Mm -hmm. and it opened my eyes a little bit. Hey, yes, indeed, we've been working along. We've been friends for quite some time now. Wow. Oh, that sounds lovely. I can't wait to have it in my mm -hmm. hands. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so how many um, fashion designers were involved? Oh, I have to do the, the maths here. So we had... Um, the dress of Simone and uh, and Agnieszka were and and of Sharon were designed by my boyfriend Simon, who is a wonderful designer. He's he studied fashion at school, and he had kind of uh, he he now works for the House of Dior. Wow! And but he had kind of but not as a designer as a as a as a as a salesperson actually. But mm -hmm. he has never really given up on the designing of outfits, and he has always loved designing these classical these historical outfits. So he just so I just gave him the assignment like, hey Simon, can you just design me a couple of dresses? Yeah. And he designed Sharon's outfit, Agnita's outfit, and uh, and Simone's outfit. And then for Elisa. We had a lovely girl from Bruges, like um, her name is uh, Maya. She works under Cadavre Ski Couture. She designed the wonderful Rococo dress, the blue dress that Elisa is wearing, which is so detailed, so refined, so beautiful. And then we had a um, another Belgian designer from Ostend, uh, Aude Gauthier, from, who, who designed the dress of Taria. Okay. which was also really beautiful. That photo shoot took place in, in Spain, in Marbella, where Taria is living nowadays. So we had to fly all the way there to, to shoot. But that was a really cool experience because Taria is always so welcoming when whenever we are around. So that's always really lovely. Were you at her and home? Then, 
Yeah, not for that shoot. I mean, we I recently shot their pictures for the In the Raw album, so mm -hmm. her last album, and then we were yeah, we stayed at her place for three days. So that was really really nice of her. Very, she was very welcoming. It was we just felt home immediately. But for that shoot, we were just uh, we spent about two days because we combined that photo shoot for the book with the with her Christmas album shoot. We noted uh, mm -hmm. from uh, from Spirits and Ghosts, the, her last Christmas album. So one day we shot for the book, and the other day we shot for her album and i'm just thinking am i missing an outfit oh, of course all the colors all the rough colors were designed by simon and there was simone and one of the some of the pictures simone is wearing this very big elizabethan color and that one was uh, designed by elena werner who is a um, argentinian argentinian uh, designer who actually lives in the same city that i live in oh, wow. and i had never heard of her until this moment so we had a couple of people trying out to make a color like that, but it was so difficult and so hard to do that she was the only one who could pull it off because she, she is so professional and she's done so much detailed work for, for film as well that she was able to do it immediately in like no time. So we are very thankful of, uh, of the fact that she could do it. But yeah, we had some lovely designers working on all the outfits. And, uh, and there's only one outfit, like Charlotte's, Charlotte from the Lane, her outfit was rented from the Belgian Opera House. They gave us access to their full warehouse of, uh, of outfits. Wow. And there was this one dress that really fit Charlotte perfectly. And when she put it on the day of the shoot, it just came, it all came together. This beautiful white, uh, white outfit, this white Rococo outfit, just it was so beautiful with her. Wow, that sounds amazing. Also, the whole selection. And didn't you work with uh, Ingeborg as well? Yes, of course. I I knew I was getting someone. That's always <laughs> such a difficult question. Sum up all the one, all the people you were with. <laughs> yeah. I was like, shit. Yeah, I forgot, forgot her. Shit, Ingeborg, they love you. Um, yes, Ingeborg from uh, I Style Stars from Ingeborg Steinhorst uh, Couture. She also designed Annika's dress, of course. Lovely work as well. Yes. We spent a full day in Antwerp doing that photo shoot, and Annika was also she was the second big photo shoot that we did for the project for the project first there was Tarja and then there was Annika I think about two years ago and she was lovely to to work with I mean Ingeborg is, is a sweetheart to work with and Annika so it was a super cool team to have around me oh I can imagine so much love in that mm -hmm. team oh my gosh yep absolutely <laughs> love and passion <laughs> yeah and talent of course um yeah so I have two questions regarding this First mm -hmm. is you custom designed several dresses, as you just told us, which means yeah. did you have to pay for all of that yourself? Yeah, all the costs. I, I paid for all the costs. So everything, the dresses, the location, hair, makeup, the book, whatever, it was all on my own expense. But I didn't really care about that because I kind of knew what I was going for. And as, as soon as I know what I'm going for, I'm pretty relentless And I don't want to leave anything to chance and I won't really mind the cost that much. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, if I can do it, if I want to do it, I will do it no matter what. And I didn't want I didn't want to go like, okay, now we've spent all this money on the location, the hair and the makeup. Now we're just going to use a dress that has been worn by so many other people in so many other projects projects I, I was like no i want to make this my own i want to make this something that no one has ever seen before exclusively for this project so as soon as i i know it's a good question that you're asking because it's a very costly project mm -hmm. i think i've spent 
oh, a couple of tens of thousands of euros, honestly, on this project. I'm getting everything together, even from plane tickets to yeah. to food on the on the photo shoots. To I, I mean, it, I don't even want to. I, I know how much it is exactly. Probably if I if I look at the numbers, but I have a good accountant who knows that, mm-hmm. so I just leave that to him. But as a lot, I just wanted. To, I didn't want the cost to be the main factor in deciding and, and making my decisions. Yeah. And my decisions had to be based on what do I want to achieve and how what is the best way to achieve it. And even if it was going to cost me a lot of money, I didn't care. I wanted to go for this art and it's just art for the art. And that's what I love so much about this, that everyone was so passionate about it and it all came together so beautifully despite the costs. Of course, it shows. It totally shows. There's... Mm-hmm. You can just see the quality and uh, the the high standards that you had yeah, in in indeed. doing well, this. I, I, that's true. I could I, I, like, for instance, I could have uh, rented like a studio and uh, and I, I I did some studio work, of course, but I could have j- just photoshopped everything and just have photographed everyone here in here in my home and just photoshop it all together and then shoot some pictures at a cool location. It would cost me nothing close to nothing yeah. but it would have been the real thing even if because i want the character i want because all these singers they are not real models and it's very sometimes it's hard for them to really be in the moments of a photo shoot and being at a location helps a lot in bringing them into this moment like it's also charlotte alisa and agneta have always also mentioned this when we were surrounded by all these beautiful things in a beautiful building in a beautiful setting it helps in becoming the character and it helps in giving exactly the vibe that I want to see in my pictures. Yeah, it's such a difference. It makes such a difference to be in the right atmosphere, surrounded by the right things that absolutely that fit the theme. And mm-hmm. talking about decisions, um, how did you select the artists and the designers? Was it just kind of uh, using your network, all of the contacts that you already had, all of your friends that you've already made throughout the years? Or did you pick and choose specifically the ones that, I don't know, how did you do that? Well, first of all, indeed, I started with the um, with the people that I knew, that the people, the people that are that I consider my friends in music. That would, I just don't talk about them about music or their music or my work. You also talk about family and personal things. So my basic point was like, okay, I want Taria in there, I want Simone in there, Elisa. So all all the all the people that I know very well and mm-hmm. that is and that I respect and and when there's a mutual trust because it helps when you know someone very well personally it will show in the picture that you have a good connection with those yeah. people so I definitely wanted to start off from that point so that was my main starting point like reaching out to them and just asking them in person whenever I saw them or just sending them a, a whatsapp message or just calling them to ask them so that worked very well but then of course I have some artists that I had never met before And uh, so, for instance, I have Pertu of Apocalyptica in there. So I just reached out. I didn't know him at all. I just knew his music. So, but I but I thought it was good. I mean, he might have been really cool to have in this project. Mm-hmm. So I just reached out to his management. They asked him. And we got in touch very quickly. And we agreed on the fact that he he was he really wanted to do this. And his management was really behind this as well. So we met at a festival. And, of course, you don't Im- immediately have this history. You don't go back that many years. But... As soon as you have this click, this connection, like, okay, you respect what I do and I respect what you do, it immediately worked for the pictures as well. Cool. So that was really nice. And for instance, when I did Ghost, when I shot Cardinal and some of the nameless 
ghouls. Mm -hmm. It's also because I have this relationship with him that we were able to do this photo shoot because I was able to ask him personally. I didn't have to go through through his management, who's also so lovely. I mean, his manager is so lovely, but I could just ask him personally. And that was funny because he was still Papa Emeritus III when I asked him. Mm -hmm. And it was after a festival show in Belgium that we were sitting in the artist restaurant in a dark corner. He was already out of his costume after the show. And I just, we were just talking and I just popped the question. I was like, uh, hey, uh, Tobias, would you, I, I'm shooting this project here. I just showed him some of the images that I already had. Mm -hmm. And I was like, would you like to be part of this? And he immediately responded. He was just contemplating a little bit for a couple of seconds. And then he was like, sure, but not now. Because I also respect that because he knew that he was going to change character yeah. in a year. He was going to be Cardinal Copia. And he knew that the book was going to come out two years later. So he told me, Tim, if you shoot me now as Papa Emeritus, it won't be the same because it will be an old picture. I yeah. think you want me as the new persona that I will become, Cardinal Copia. So he told me a little bit about that. And then we decided to postpone the shoot. And we shot him about a year ago at a festival in the Netherlands as Cardinal Copia. And indeed, I had to agree with him. It worked a lot better like that. Just, just like the, the, the kind of the same thing with Slayer. First of all, um, I was already considering to have, I had been considering to have Slayer in there mm -hmm. for about two years ago, but I dropped the idea because I, I'd worked with them before and they know me and I know them, but I didn't really see them fit in the book. But then it was a year later when Simon came to me. and was like, Tim, Slayer is calling it a day. They're they're quitting. How cool would it be to still have this very dark portrait just a headshot of both Carrie King and Tom Araya in the book like a very Rembrandtish maybe a little bit of Caravaggio style in there wow. and I was and I and I reconsidered it I was like okay they're coming to the Netherlands in a couple of weeks like it was a, a month before they were going to be here in the area let's ask their management so the, they have the same management that Go, as Ghost has so I was able to reach out to her mm -hmm. and I just asked her hey how how would you see this? Would they be interested in this or not? I got an email back the next day saying, Tim, I'm, I'm going to check with them. I think it's really cool. I'm going to check with them. I'm going to try to convince them. And you'll hear from me in the next days. So I waited about two days and she came, Kristen came back to me and she told me, Tim, I just spoke about it to both Carrie King and Samaria and they both really want to do it. They want to be part of it. So just uh, get your ass to the show in the Netherlands and we'll give you about 20 minutes with both of them. So I also, when, when I saw them, it was the first thing I said, I don't want you to be dressed up. I don't want you to wear one of these big rough collars because for you guys, that will be ridiculous. <laughs> I just want to shoot you as you are in a black t-shirt and just in a, in, with lots of shadows and make it a very dark portrait of you. And they were very open to it. And the one thing that I wanted to highlight with Tom, with Tom Araya was I took him aside. And I was like, Tom, when I see you in an hour for the shoot, please don't smile in the picture yeah. <laughs> because he's always laughing and smiling whenever <laughs> we do a photo shoot. He's such a funny guy and he's, he's so cool to work with, but he's always smiling. And the moment he walked in the picture, he was smiling. And I was like, Tom, remember what I said? And he immediately changed into this very serious persona. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I need. So it's also because we know each other that I was able to ask that and I that was able to to request that of him because we have this mutual trust. He knows that he can trust me. I know what to expect of him. Mm -hmm. And we can just communicate and talk about these things. And that makes being in this business and not only shooting the live shows, but also really working with them makes it so special. 
Of course. And I mean, you have also made a name of yourself. And uh, that's something that people recognize, appreciate, and probably a big motivation to decide to be part of any of your projects. Well, I, I hope so. I think I've really felt this with this book. Before this book, before anything was announced regarding this book, uh, it was still like, For some artists, it was still maybe a bit difficult to 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 work with me. Or when I reached out to some of the artists that I not really worked with yet, it was always a little harder to get in touch with them. And now that I've released this book, it like put me puts me on a different standard. And yeah. it's weird because I, I'm not, that was that was never my intention. That was never my aim. But all of a sudden, you get taken seriously. So. <laughs> so quickly because yes everyone's a photographer nowadays and everyone can just share everything they they want online and it's easy it's free it's come on you buy a camera you can put everything online so talent is a lot is talent is a lot easier to, to recognize these days and it's like when you publish something and when you really when people recognize oh my god he's made this expensive book he must be quite something <laughs> it's, it's 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 something like that it works like that and i i never really thought about it until now because the book was sold out in less than three weeks i mean 1000 copies in less than three weeks lots of bands contacted me like tim could you do our marketing from now on because the, your marketing was so good with this but i was like yeah but that was never my intention i just wanted to show the art for what it was and how we created this art it was never my intention to like uh, lift myself to 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 a level that was unreachable for, at, at this point i just wanted to show what i could do and i just wanted to put a crown on the work that i'd been doing for the past 10 years yes. and working with the people that i'd been working with for the past 10 years not only in the picture but also behind the scenes so it was pretty magical to see that happening and it was it was actually simon my boyfriend who had to who had to uh, just put my face in there and just yeah. go like tim Do you know what you're doing? This is, I mean, unseen in the business that you're working in. And then he made me realize that it was indeed pretty special. It is, obviously. It, it is. So mm. how do you imagine people who get the book, who got the book, because the pre-orders are already gone, mm -hmm. how do you imagine them enjoying your book? Is it like a coffee table book uh, that will be lying in their homes forever yeah. and mm -hmm. they'll pick it up from time to time and you know show to their people who visit them or something like that or how have you thought about that well i hope so it's a good question that you're asking because if you make a book that's the first question you want to ask yourself how do you want to present this what do you want to portray of yourself of the of the of your work of your body of work how much do you want to show people and it was my main intention to make an an art book not a metal book i wanted to be open to a lot more people than just the hard rock and the metal fans mm -hmm. so i decided people asked me my graphic designer asked me tim which picture do you want on the cover my first response was hell no i don't want any picture on the cover because that would be limiting yourself to this genre again and it would be choosing one of my children as yeah. my favorite child because all my pictures are my children and it was already disgusting of me that i had to get rid of 100,000 pictures to select the 180 pictures that was that were going to end up in the book so how awful would it be to choose your favorite child to and uh, one of your your favorite child to end up on the cover yeah. that was already stupid i thought so i was like no I'm, i don't want to do this i just want to have this very very high end expensive looking cover and i just wanted this this artistic cover that just said a black cover a linen cover mm -hmm. which is really beautiful is. and 
and very arty. I mean, I, I want to go the art way more. So I did, also why not start with the cover and then just have a black title on there, like black on black. So you really have to see what it says and it all, it all lifts it to a, to a higher level. And I just wanted that. I, and I didn't really want to make this small book. I mean, I wanted to make justice, to do justice to the work that I'd been shooting. So I'd been shooting these big portraits. I needed a big format book for that. So that was my big intention. Focus on the portraits, make a beautiful art photography book, even di- even despite the genre that I was shooting, not focusing on that genre, just make a beautiful art book out of it. Were you inspired by the books of other photographers to do that? Absolutely. I've, I have some awesome inspirations. Of course, my main inspirations for this book were, of course, the ones who are not around anymore. I have Rembrandt, Caravaggio. Of course, their works have inspired me a lot. Um, but of course, the photographers like were probably names like Annie Leibovitz, um, mm-hmm. David LaChapelle, um, Erwin Olaf, the Dutch photographer. These big names in, photographer, in, in photography were some of the names that really inspired me. And I'd been constantly looking at their work to see how they were working, what, how they delivered their books, how they were establishing their name. Yeah. And I was constantly looking at them and they were, and they have, they have such a beautiful style that I will not compare myself to at all. <laughs> But they, I mean, it was, it was a really cool inspiration for me. I was just browsing through their books, going to their exhibitions just to get inspired. Yeah. Talking about the exhibition, now that you mention it, Will you be mm-hmm. selling the prints that will be exhibited afterwards? Yeah, I, actually, we've only just come up with the idea of also ha- giving the audience the opportunity of buying the exclusive portraits that were going to be there. I'm probably later on going to sell some loose prints mm-hmm. based on this on this project, pictures that are in the book or not. I've not made up my mind yet. Okay. But the pictures, the actual large size pictures that are going to be at the exhibition, I'm probably going to put them up for sale. So they're going to be 50, very a big one, 60 to 90 centimeters, which is pretty big. Yeah. And then we will have uh, like seven very big portraits, one meter uh, by one meter 70. So almost life size. Oh, wow. So I'm probably going to sell these as well for, of course, for the price that it's worth. I'm not going to sell them cheap. That would be like, th- that wouldn't do any justice to the work that I do. Yeah. But I'm just going to ask an honest price for that. How much that is going to be, I'm not sure yet. And I'm probably going to launch it on my web store as well. So not only on my web store, but also there on the during the exhibition. But I don't want to put the focus on that. J- just to make things clear, it just needs to be a beautiful exhibition and, and not a gallery. Mm-hmm. But I just want to give the people the opportunity to still buy some of the works. Why not? They're there. The works are there. They're out in the open. So why not give people the opportunity to buy one of the works? Of course. And uh, now that we're talking money and we were talking money before, I mean, just mm-hmm. because of the fact that you have worked so hard for for on this project and that you've also invested a lot on this project, it's obviously your very well-earned right to charge the real price, you know, the cost of, of your mm-hmm. art as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a thing that I think artists should do more because mm-hmm. art should never be free. I mean, art is free, but shouldn't mm-hmm. be free. You know, work shouldn't be free. So no. uh, that's something that I, um, that I completely agree on. But 
if I'm not wrong, uh, if I remember correctly, the profits mm -hmm. of the book are also going to a cause? Yeah, the part, a big part of all the benefits are going to uh, PsychosisNet. It's um, PsychosisNet, actually, and because it's a Dutch-Belgian organization. Mm -hmm. It's actually a Dutch organization which also found its way to Belgium a couple of years ago, and I'm supporting the, the Belgian part of it. PsychosisNet is an organization that I've just come across recently because of some people that I know, okay. and it's an organization that doesn't really um, offer help to people who struggle mentally but it guides people who are looking for help to get to the right kind of kind of help a lot quicker because i like everywhere in belgium the waiting lists for mental health care are huge and are year long sometimes you have to wait months or even a year yeah. until you really get the right kind of help which is just ridiculous mm -hmm. um because it's still underestimated a lot it's still a bit of a taboo mm -hmm. and um That organization really helps in overcoming this long waiting list in mental health care. And because during the process of making this book, because I'm still a teacher and I come across uh, students and my pupils who are 14, 15, 16 years old who sometimes struggle with who they are and who, which direction they want to go into. And also because in my own, in my work field as a photographer, I also had the experience, unfortunately, of losing one of my good friends, Jill Janice of Huntress, yeah. because she, uh, to this problem. And when she took her own life, when, when that news reached me, because when I re the news reached me, I WhatsApped her. I was like, Jill, please, this cannot be true. And there didn't come a reply because the facts were true, oh. unfortunately. This made it even clearer to me that this was a direction I had to go into. I really had to support this, this good cause. At that time, I didn't know which organization I was going to support directly. But after a couple of months, it all became clear that I had to go for Psychosinet. Because it's the organ, it's one of the organizations that gets no support from the no financial support from the government at all. So they're all self-reliant, self-dependent, and I I just knew that I had to go for this one. Yeah, that's that's so amazing. That's so admirable. Um, Because I've I've never I've never really shared it the way like this. But people always sometimes ask me. So how do, does the the theme of your book relate to that problem, to that issue? Mm -hmm. um, I always, I'm always like people always look at artists like they are kings or queens. They're on stage and they're in front of their audience. They're doing what they have to do. And people sometimes think the fans sometimes think that these people on stage are public property and they can and they can just uh, and they can demand anything of them because they buy their music. Mm -hmm. And with this book, I also want to change that a little bit because these people who are on stage they are not kings and queens they are not they are just human beings just like everyone else and that's why yes. i'm in the book portraying them as them as kings or queens just to put the focus on that's the way we look at them and back in the days when the kings and queens had their paintings made by these famous painters Uh, that was the exact same image that they wanted to portray. Hey, we are powerful. We are kings and queens. But with this project, I want to show the exact opposite. Like, here's a king or queen in the image. But behind this image is a human being, vulnerable as, as anyone else, just as any human being on this planet. But just because he or she is on a stage in front of so many people is such a great public image. It doesn't give you the right to demand anything of that uh, anything of that person. Yes. It's still a human being with rights and right to to some privacy, and everyone should respect that. And that's just a small hint that I also wanted to include in this book. That's amazing. 
That's really great. That's oh, something <laughs> that's something that uh, Lindsay Schoolcraft has spoken out about a lot. And yeah. mental health is such a such an important topic for us at Metal and High mm -hmm. Heels. It really speaks speaks to our hearts. The very first mm -hmm. episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast, which yeah. is uh, talks about that topic of mental health uh, with Cassandra Novell from mm -hmm. Mercy Isle. And yeah. we've already always tried to um, talk about it and support the, the the process of demystifying the the seeking for help, the the fact of people needing needing support and counseling and seeking for help. So I think it's a great cause that you are supporting. I totally know the 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 process of uh, looking for a therapist and having to wait six months on a waiting list. Yeah, and it's horrible here in Germany. Yeah, it it is horrible. And I mean, there of course other. Um, other people willing to help you more quickly in cases of emergency and everything, other institutions as well. But mm -hmm. just the fact that uh, therapy is so helpful just to be able to cope with life nowadays and having to yep. wait six months. And I had to call every month and, and tell the, the, the people at, at the doctor's office, like, I'm still interested, please still consider me, please don't erase yeah. me from that list, you know, until no. I, I finally got that, um, that place. And, and I, I, I really, I really love my therapist. I was in Ecuador for six months now, and I really, yeah. really miss him. <laughs> so Oh, that's uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, but that, that that's lovely. But still, because of this long waiting list, because you're already in that state, you don't want to wait that long you're not in a state of waiting exactly. at that time you want to find help yeah. and that's also something that in this music in this music industry i think there are so many people who are struggling and you get so much strength out of the music they listen to the the lyrics of all these artists that are in my book are sometimes so dark so mysterious and they talk about life and death and all these heavy themes yeah. but they all they also empower everyone who listens to it to find a, to find their own passion within themselves. And I think that is such a beautiful thing as well. It helps and it heals so well. It doesn't heal completely, but it helps bearing life a lot easier. And that is so beautiful, I think. So I'm, I'm actually happy that, that you shared this with me as well. Who is interviewing who here? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, uh, for me, it was actually funny because I always wanted to, I've, I've always or not always, but I've done therapy um, several times yep. in my life. And for me, it was always mm -hmm. a, a, a thing of, I don't want to wait until it's too late. I don't want to wait until until I'm depressed or something. I, I want to, oh. to start my therapy before it's it go, goes so yeah. far. So it's kind of a... Yeah. Um, Uh, taking care of yourself, you know, just like you go to uh, regular checkups to the doctors, to, you know, to the bodily doctors, you should go also yeah. to regular checkups uh -huh. with your mental doctors so that you know that yeah. everything is fine and that everything is and that you can, can can take care of yourself as well. Yeah. And it's still so awful that you can share things that are physically not okay, but it's still such a taboo that you have to hide whenever you're struggling mentally is like, I don't want to share my demons with anyone. And that is still so, so awful. I think people should just be able to talk about that because our, and some, some people are still saying, Oh, it's still, you, you're just making a fool out of yourself because you're, because you're just not strong enough for this world. Our world mm -hmm. has become so demanding nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, like mentally it's unbelievable. So it's uh, impossible to compare to what it's been like because of all these, the social media, all these different impulses that we get from everywhere. Life has become 
Physically, maybe life has become a little easier, but mentally life has become so, so much more stressful. It's uncomparable, I think. That is very true. And not that, that we are um, sharing so much, <laughs> so much personal yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you a personal question and you are totally um, entitled to not answer if you don't want to, of course. But mm -hmm. um, this is the first time that we've have had the opportunity to talk for so long. And you've mentioned your boyfriend, Simon, several times now. So I think yeah. it's all right <laughs> to ask you because um, the intersection of metal and LGBTQ is something that yeah. I've been wanting to talk about in this podcast for a long time. And mm -hmm. um, there are not as many famous people willing to talk about that. So my question is, mm -hmm. have you noticed any kind of um, people treating you differently or something like that because you're a gay person? Yeah, well, that's it's a good question. I'm so happy that you asked this question. It's um, I've only come out of the closet about three, four years ago, and I I, I knew of course that I was interested in uh, in boys more than I was in girls when I was 17, 18 years old. But mm -hmm. I always felt a bit like, oh my god, I'm I'm in this metal scene. I I, I need to be tough. I need to be. I need to prove my. I still need to prove myself. So now coming out would wow. show a sign of weakness. It's horrible that I say is now but at the time I felt like it I was pretty pretty insecure about that mm -hmm. I, I mean everyone around me knew that there was probably something <laughs> happening in my life but it was only I, I made a decision for myself as soon as I find someone as soon as I have a boyfriend and I know I have someone that I feel really comfortable with I'm probably going to come out so that's what I did about three four years ago when I met Simon and I knew that I was going to spend my life with him, I decided to come out. And ever since I've done that, actually, so I, I, I was a, it, it was a little scary, I have to admit, because I, I, it was, to me, it felt like uh, a big leap in the dark. I had no idea mm -hmm. what was going to happen to my career, or was I going to have to was I going to lose clients or get a lot of shit. And actually, uh, the only feedback I got was no feedback because everyone was like, uh, "Duh, no big deal." <laughs> uh, so that so th oh, and that was really cool. It made me feel so much more confident about about myself and my work, and it even made things a lot easier because now, whenever I'm doing a photo, just just a very stupid thing, but now whenever I'm doing a photo shoot now with with one of the girls and. In, in the music industry, yeah. for instance, and they're changing clothes. I mean, they're all like, hey, Tim, just stay here. You, you don't have to go anywhere because we don't arouse you anyway, <laughs> anyway right? <laughs> so it's just easier. It just made a lot of things easier. And that's what I, it's a, it's a bit of a bonus there, I, I guess. But it was also, that was also one of the reasons that I started working on this book because I made this book with Simon, with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I never was like, I'm going to hide him because I don't want to share. I don't want to share that I'm part of this community now with anyone. No, I just wanted to embrace that. And, and I did. I embraced that. And I, and I involved so many people from the, from the gay community into my book. And also we have Mina Caputo in the book. Yes. If I was not going to be supportive, supportive of, of this, I would have totally not had her in the book. But I love so much and I just I want to and I just embrace her we are such good friends she loves me so much and I love her so much for 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 all for everything she embraced because she's she's so eccentric and she but I love her so I'm with having her in the book mm -hmm. and she even has two portraits in the exhibition I think I need to check I wanted to show everyone like hey she's cool and if you're not cool with the fact that she's in there 
just get over it or just uh, or just go somewhere else yeah. because I want to embrace this as as much as I can because I cannot change who I am nobody can change who I am nobody needs to change who they are yeah. and I also wanted to show this in this book I think it's still such an important thing to to share who just I mean you are who you are and you cannot change that you can change what you do and how you act in life but how you are in life is something you cannot change so you should never ever ever judge anyone on how on who they are because it's just the way it is just accept it I'm a, the, the thing I always have if you have a problem with it I'm happy about it because it is your problem and not my problem that is so true that is so true and so mm -hmm. empowering as well and yeah. I think that um, the metal community is one that thinks, or, or, or metalheads, we are kind of known for mm -hmm. being super welcoming and tolerant and, yeah. and, and friendly and peaceful, you know. But sometimes I think mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like um, just, you know, from words and to the outside mm -hmm. it's just like words and looks because some metalheads are not as friendly and welcoming and cool but no, it's true like everywhere yeah of course but it's so yeah. that's why i wanted to to hear some of these experiences to listen to um, and give these you know give us our voices absolutely um yeah true some some more of a platform because uh i am also i, I consider myself also part of the <laughs> of the community i am by so yeah, um there you go. So it's it's amazing to to have these feedback as well, you know, that that these ex that they are also positive experiences with uh, even as you say no feedback because it's not a big deal at all. It doesn't change how how friendly you are, how good of a person or a good of a photographer you are. It doesn't change at yep. all. So the fact that uh people know or didn't know or didn't notice or just didn't care but we're still there for you and are still there for you and happy to work with you and happy to be your friend it's just so yeah. so encouraging for for younger people as well because uh, the story you just told of, of your struggle your inner struggle in the beginning before coming out is yeah. just also mm -hmm. it might be uh, the experience that people are still uh, having right now you know young mm -hmm. metalheads that are also in the lgbtq spectrum um they yeah. should listen to your story and to our story you know that um the metal community mm -hmm. is still very welcoming and very friendly and and this intersection is just it's just great and and i mean oh, yeah. black and rainbow just mix so well <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed it's so true yeah indeed i mean i was when i was just people always when they see me they're always like hey Tim you're always so cheerful you're always so energetic but just before I came out in like inside I was like I, I couldn't be 100% myself I knew that I had to come out and I needed to express myself the way I was because inside I was quite dying <laughs> I can imagine. because I really wanted to share this with everyone but I was so afraid of doing it and once I just shared it and And I, and I wasn't like the person like, hey, my name is Tim and I'm gay. Get over it. No, yeah. of course not. I didn't want to put the focus on that. But I could just speak openly about it. And the moment I could do that, it was so I felt so free and so and so welcomed again. I, I, I've always been welcomed. But to me, it felt like a real homecoming by then. Yeah. Yeah, it is very liberating mm -hmm. to talk about all this, all this, all of this stuff. And yeah, yes, um, that's a very cool point to end our interview um, because, mm -hmm. yes, 
happiness and cheerfulness and and all of these characteristics that we've seen in you throughout the years and that always makes it such a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much for talking to us and for sharing so much uh, with us today. And I look forward to seeing you in Ghent. Ghent, how is it pronounced? True. Yeah, Ghent, yeah, Ghent is the same thing. Okay, <laughs> perfect. On uh, September 27th uh, for the launch and the exhibition will run from sorry, September 28th until October 12th. 12th. Absolutely. Everyone get, get your asses to Belgium and uh, come and visit the exhibition in the heart of the historical city of Ghent in Belgium. <laughs> yeah. Home of the very uh, skilled and talented photographer, Tim Tronco. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much for having me and uh, rock on. Shante, you stay. <laughs> yeah. So that was my talk with Belgian photographer Tim Tronco. And as you just listened, it was just a very, very moving conversation that we had about all of about the whole creative process around the book Portraits and uh and the exhibition that is coming up, which we will be attending. So I just want to finish the show by inviting you to come out to Ghent, Belgium, if you have the chance, and go to the Portraits exhibition, which will be running from September 28th through October 12th in Ghent. And you can check out the details on Tim's Facebook page, Tim Tronco Photography, and also on timtronco.com. And don't forget that I will be linking all of this in our website, of course, metal-and-highheels.com slash podcast 56 if you want to go to the show notes of this episode directly. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so very much for listening. I hope you liked the talk I had to with I had with Tim. And the next episode, my co-hosts, my dear co-hosts Pia and Steffi will be talking about cover songs. That's a really cool topic we've been wanting to discuss and I will be sitting out on that conversation but I promise and I've been saying this, I know I've been saying this for the last few episodes we will be together again and we still haven't gotten around to it but Pia, Steffi and I will be back together on the podcast very soon I promise so if you don't want to miss out on our big reunion and of course on the upcoming episodes like the cover cover song episode that is coming up next subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening to we are on Spotify iTunes of course and Stitcher and all of the podcatchers they are, they are out on and we always tweet out whenever we have a new episode or a new article coming out. So follow us at Metal High Heels on Twitter, Metal and High Heels on Instagram, and like our Facebook page. As always, we like to thank Cassandra Novell for our awesome jingle that is based on the song Storm from her band, Mercy Isle. So check them out as well. And I'll see you soon. Bye.